everyone. Welcome to Queer Sounds. Um, yet another episode, and uh, as a matter of fact, the most timely episode to date. Usually I'd like to keep things a little bit timeless, you know, but this time things are actually quite different. Uh, if you've listened to our uh, episode with uh, Kai last June, you may remember that I'm not always aware of all of the different weeks and events and awareness days and all that. Uh, however, this time I'm prepared because if you listen to this episode on the day it's released, um, or, you know, the week after, I suppose, it's still very timely. It's Asexual Awareness Week. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm actually aware of things now, um, which surpasses the irony. And yeah, to celebrate, I've got a great guest on today, uh, Pancake. Hi there. Hello, Hannah. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm proud of myself that I'm actually not as ignorant as I usually am. But yeah, Asexual Awareness Week all over the world, different types of events. Uh, I actually came across some organized Discord games uh, to, to, to build a community, uh, book readings, and, you know, uh, mind of the pun, give him some love. So, Pancake, do you've got anything fun planned for Asexual Awareness Week? Um, well, uh, fun is maybe not the right word. Um, I got some, 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 some heavy topics calling out the German press a bit. Um, of course, doing a little bit of Ace 101, like giving some background information that you, you know, really get to know um, the asexual community from the very um, simple definitions to a little bit more of a, you know, a specific um, discussion. Yeah, to start with. Right. I don't know if I remember, I don't remember mentioning my podcast, uh, my, my pronouns, but they're they, them. How about yours? My pronouns are X and X's. Right. How does that, it does, is that, does that apply to both German and English? How does that work? Because I have actually never came across someone who uses X and X's as their pronouns in English. Well, yeah, I do use X and X's um, in, you know, every language that I am able to communicate. And that includes German. So it's a bit of another pronunciation there. Um, basically the same thing. Yeah. All right. Cool. So you said you were going to call out the German press. That leaves everyone to wonder, are you German? But I guess you are, right? <laughs> Introduce yourself a little bit. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm a, a German-Polish um, non-binary person. And yeah, I do asexual um, activism um, under you know the, the name that um, is ACES NRW. The NRW stands for um, the state name, the shortened state name here in Germany. It's in, in the Northwest for any any interest listener here. And yeah, that includes um, ripping apart allonormative articles that come out usually in German because we do have a lack here of awareness um, in comparison to, for example, um, the UK. Um, so um, yeah. That's what I do in my free time. <laughs> um, to make the worst possible segue, other things we do in our free time is listen to music. So I'm going to suggest we do some of that right now. The first track, I've been waiting forever to play something by My Chemical Romance. And today <laughs> is finally the day. Here we go.
exhausted we just started recording <laughs> god um this these are moments in which i wish people could actually see us enjoy the fucking music um i almost knocked out a window air drumming to this fucking song but sometimes you just gotta let yourself go you can you can you can tell like i can hear myself like there's some heavy breathing going on damn i need to catch my breath here But yeah, I'm not okay. My Chemical Romance, the emo anthem, 2003. Three cheers for Sweet Revenge. Uh, why did you pick this song? I mean, it's a fantastic one, but I'd like you to say it. Um, I mean, uh, how can I not? I mean, I really, there's so many levels to that um, about not being okay. I and know, right? And pretending to be, yeah, I mean... Uh, It, it, my chemical romance has such a extremely dedicated especially queer fan base um that is constantly overlooked i think they are honestly a really legendary band and and, and people will in i swear in in 10 years they will finally catch catch up and say that my chemical romance are actually really underrated and deserved so much more love and appreciation um other than that i mean their reunion can we can we can we just uh, r.i.p this is just uh like we can talk about the worst timeline but we can also appreciate the good things in our timeline and this is one of them right yeah although i'm not entirely sure if i agree with you with my chemical romance being underrated Because if we're going to look at the sales numbers, like just from a pure practical standpoint, I remember the last show they did in the Netherlands, it wasn't a specific venue that could host about 2,000, 3,000 people. And now when you look at the sales numbers, like they are selling out stadiums and like especially the shows in London, like this, how many people to uh, 120,000 in total, if you add all three nights, it's insane. Jesus Like I don't know what happened over the past seven years when they when that they that they broke up, but they definitely got some kind of legendary, untouchable status in the past. So, did you also um, find the uh, the entire aesthetic surrounding it, like um, from a gender perspective? Thinking uh, thinking back at it, I wasn't able to pinpoint it. Like my my closeted fifteen year old ass would never have known that it's the queer androgynous uh, aesthetic of um, My Chemical Romance and the entire emo culture, that's what drew me to it. Does it also go for you? Um, absolutely. I, I I didn't realize that at all um, back then. Um, I mean, it's just, you know, how influential that must have been. Um, I mean, not just from the standpoint of seeing nowadays that all whole e-aesthetic that, you know, younger generations are not carrying and evolving but you know yeah like having this subculture of alternative kids emo scene also you know not just staying in that um music corner but also influencing us in our queer selves in different levels um certainly i i you know 
it must have influenced me um, because I, you know, you can see um, the listeners will certainly not, but I have like snake bite piercings, which are um, piercings on the um, like, yeah, yeah, the bottom little, lip, little rings through your lip, exactly, yeah, exactly, and this is like a callback to uh, to emo culture really back then, and I just you know it's like four years ago or something like that that I got them, and I didn't realize that this is also how some queer people express themselves. So yeah, certainly um, a big influence that I absolutely overlooked. Exactly. Yeah. No, I um, I remember going to a whole bunch of emo meetings, like a bunch of emos hanging out in the park. And, you know, people would walk up to me. It's like, hey, don't you want to wear some eyeliner? And I was like, hell yeah, I would. But then also thinking, oh, but then I'll have to explain myself to my parents later. And I don't know if that's something that I want to deal with right now. Although I definitely, you know, me dealing with us with 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 some toxic masculinity, not uh, being too anxious to actually paint my fucking nails and instead just draw on them with sharpie. It's it, there is so much to untangle there, and you definitely have to stop me because I've got so many memories connected to my chemical romance that if you're not going to interfere uh, or interrupt me, I will definitely keep on talking about my own memories and don't want to make this too much about me oh please spill it spill it like this is just you know we gotta appreciate a certain positive nostalgia now and then <laughs> oh yeah definitely definitely do you do you remember first hearing this song oh um well i certainly remember it hitting the charts i can't really pinpoint the moment that i first heard it but it must have been like on the radio somewhere oh really what type of stations were you listening to that they actually played this you know, it was a, a more um, youthful radio station. They really played um, some some heavy hitters back in the days. Um, I'm not. I mean, in that in that category, I'm really fortunate <laughs> to be exposed to this good music. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's you know that's all the memories I got from back then. <laughs> right. Was I'm not okay the first my chemical Ro uh, my chemical romance song that you that you heard. Um. I'm pretty sure, yeah, um, because I was very late to the party when it came to my chemical romance, and to be really quite frank, um, back in the day, I wasn't I wasn't calling myself a fan. I was only into uh, Fall Out Boy and Panic at the Disco back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is it is it is horrible, and I'm ashamed of my past. <laughs> don't be, don't be. No, I mean, we've got right. the holy emo trinity right there. <laughs> Yeah, it really, you know, it took me, it took me years after that, and it took me um, Frank Euro's um, solo projects, various solo projects, to, you know, find deeper appreciation for my chemical romance, and I think, you know, certain, certain darkness, right, <laughs> if yeah. I can be so dramatic here, uh, recollecting on your own life, and, and, and then understanding what my chem can be. Where uh, did your, where did your music taste develop from there? Like, I imagine that it didn't... It, start with just follow boy my chemical romance and panic at the disco and then stayed there oh yeah exactly um i it was certainly one of my uh, these these bands were the first you know real fan bandoms as, as you call it but you know um i remember when slipknot and bullet for my valentine hit the german um top 100 and i heard it and i found it so cool 
um, you know, it was a bit too heavy, but I, I, you know, I was just drawn to the whole edgy, um, edgy thing, the edgy persona. Um, and yeah, so my, my, my love for metal, um, yeah, started somehow. It, it took me some, some years after that to really, um, get fully into metal. So, you know, really, um, developing a taste, um, um, for various subgenres. But um, this certainly was um, one of the milestones in my personal music history, I'd say. Yeah, it triggered something, didn't it? Uh, absolutely. How about the music taste developing in a different ways? Like, I can very much imagine that if you listen to a song like I'm Not Okay and then have, and then especially the guitar solo. Like, I can very well imagine that if you don't know what My Chemical Romance looks like, you might just think, okay, this is just a punkier version of Queen. Oh, yes. Or, I, I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I reckon a lot of people will be shouting at me turning this podcast right off because how dare I say that, either from yeah. a defending My Chemical perspective or a defending Queen perspective, either way. But still, the similarities are there and I'm here for it. Yes, I absolutely second that. Absolutely. No, I'm here, here for that. <laughs> How you, you just said that uh, you, you know, felt a little bit of a darkness to it. My chemical realm is something that you, and that darkness was something that you craved in a way, like something that you were looking for. Is that a big role in the music you listen to? <laughs> well, Anna, it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it took, you know, a bit of, you know, self-discovery and, 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 you know, understanding certain things that I wasn't aware as a, um, a kid and teenager, because, you know, I was really, you know, brought up in strict arch-Catholic household. And I, you know, I restricted myself to be the good kid for, for a very long time. So that's why maybe, you know, the whole darkness, edgy thing of my chemical romance and, and, and to a certain amount, also you know, my love for metal um, took some uh, took some time to come alive, really, um, and and then also you know, releasing all the all the tension inside of me while indulging in, for example, heavy metal. That's a very interesting point there, like the pressure specifically, because mm. I feel like that's very archetypical maybe like the more strict your household might be as uh, as you go through puberty the more likely it is that you're gonna you know kick some cans um or mm. or you know try, the more you're gonna the more eager you are to rebel um yeah but that wasn't uh that didn't happen to me though um i really you know really until i don't know age Let's say, you know, in 19, 20, that was really when I, I don't know, I developed more a sense of self without, you know, being so bound to rules and understanding that I have autonomy and I have a personality and I don't need to abide to authority. So really my puberty, I, you know, I, I played that part. I played that part of, um, you know, a more conservative life and, and being, you know, playing by the rules and being a good kid and bringing home the good grades. Um, so I 
I never rebelled um, until really later in life. Um, I mean, later in life. Um, I'm a, um, and in my late twenties right now. So um, yeah, it, it for me, you know, queerness and and music, that really like beginning with my twenties, that really was a game changer in my personal life. What caused that? What what caused that 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 change? What was the specific game changer? Just figuring out, discovering specific music, or how did that go? Mm. It was, you know, discovering um, feminism, and and then, you know, that was just my gateway into, um, into politics, into queerness, into racism, and you know, developing a, a sense of yeah. feeling that the world isn't how they teach you um, it is. Is and, there an is there an overlap yeah. there? You becoming more politicized, and you listening to different music. Are those two things that happen simultaneously? They they uh, happened uh, really you know cl close to each other. It wasn't so much that music per se politicized me or radicalized me, for that sort. But it was you know especially um, finding Avenged Sevenfold was around the time that I found out that I'm on the asexual spectrum. So you know um, right. I, I will certainly not coin Avenged Sevenfold as my political influence. God forbid. But um, you know who knows? Um, maybe there are some 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 depths to it somehow in my psycho psychological uh, development. All right. Um, I bet we're going to talk a whole lot more about all of your political endeavors. But first, uh, let's get track two for today going. It's Music is My Hot Hot Sex by CSS. From all the tricks, the one I like more is music. That, that that last bit what language is that mm, i think it's portuguese if, um, uh, all right then my guess would have been correct just wasn't sure so um can say this are sexy is what css apparently stands for that's at least what the album is called and one one is two 
released 2006. Music is my hot, hot sex, and if that isn't an ace title worthy of this podcast, I don't know what is. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> is that why you picked this track? Absolutely, no. It was um, because of that, but more of a personal um, asexual um, identity relation there, because you know, um, I don't want to, I don't want to make, give the impression that you know all asexual people um, feel that way. You know, for some asexual people, sex is uh, like sex is their hot, hot sex, and that's absolutely valid and fantastic too. For me personally, music is my hot, hot sex, and um, that's why I picked that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, um, I'm actually surprised that it took me so long to have, uh, to have an asexual person uh, on this podcast. I believe the last one was episode four, and, you know, I'm here, so there is always someone on the A spectrum on this podcast, but, you know... It's. Uh, I. I do feel like it has been an underrepresented group in within 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 this project. Um, how would you describe your own experiences with asexuality? Mm, well, my own experiences um, with asexuality are that I don't feel attracted to um, to people um, I've never had, and um, that's about it. I mean. For, for some people, um, their asexual identities can be certainly, you know, can be bound to not having sex or having a low libido. That's um, certainly um, also very valid, you know. You know, we, 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 I'm, I'm really happy that we as the ace community do have a certain um, liberal definition um, for ourselves. You know, we, we most go for the attraction thing, and that's what I um I feel too. Right. For you know, giving people the freedom there. So from there, what what's your personal story in discovering your your sexual orientation or lack thereof? Yeah, well, I personally wouldn't call a lack thereof because that's somehow like a bit of an allonormative um, point of view that um, asexual people lack something. So yeah, I, I personally um, define it as you know as a sexual orientation or a sexuality. Um, it all uh, I think uh, started in uh, around October 2013. So um, I was browsing on Tumblr back then, and I saw I think a post of some sort, and it didn't I think it didn't talked about asexuality. It talked about relationships to sex and. I, you know, then I had my realization that, you know, I wasn't alone with um, uh, feeling some, somewhat differently than other people around sex. And yeah, then everything started. Um, I, I, I got engaged, um, learned a lot from older ace people. And um, thus, I, you know, I defined my, I, I had a different label back then. Um, started with, I think, gray ace and then, uh, then found out, well, I'm actually asexual yeah so that's about my asexuality that i'm panromantic and um that i am also non-binary that came some time later um you said you got engaged how did your did your partner how did they take it along the way oh no, no i mean i'm in, engaging in the community oh right yeah okay <laughs> that okay that actually makes sense a little bit of a, a little bit of a slip up there um 
But yeah, no, that's that actually makes a lot of sense. And uh, you mentioned that a very important place in discovering your own sexual orientation um, is um, rooted in a specific place, being the Aero Ace Cafe in Bonn. Um, yeah, it was more of, you know, I, I already was, you know, a fully developed queer um, when finding the um, Arrow Ace Cafe in Bonn, which is a, a big city here in um, NRW. And um, it, it more of um, started to give me a sense of, you know, local community, more of a local community, not just online. And I feel that it's incredibly helpful if people have the possibilities to connect not to not to diminish um online spaces but just you know right really meeting real um peers is is really really helpful and it certainly was for me it certainly started everything um so that i can now chat with you <laughs> yeah I mean, I do, but I do feel like, you know, you have to have an online community in order to find out about other smaller local communities, right? Mm, absolutely, like, absolutely. They're, they're, they're helpful. And you're absolutely right. If you're not able to find, you know, if you're somewhere in a small village in, in the middle of nowhere and online community is the only type of community you've got, that's, that's wholesome in and of itself. And that can be so so very meaningful but you but the 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 arrow ace cafe take us there what type of vibe was it because i feel like you know me coming from you know the the local punk queer scene in 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 utrecht where i'm recording this podcast i feel like the arrow ace cafe in bonn is like that um kind of our our, our sister organization in a way <laughs> yeah i mean the vibe is just um when it started, um, it was just incredible because it was a good mixture between, um, you know, talking freely about everything that's on your mind, not necessarily political, but also, you know, any anything, really anything, but also um, inviting political discussion. You know, it, it changed a bit over the years because you have an influx and outflux of, of people. Um, certainly that happens. Um, but, you know, that was something that I didn't have the feeling of, you know, this connection of this political discussion that I didn't found in a Cologne or in other bigger um, cafes or, or, or ACE meetups. Um, because I was, you know, I was tingling, I was tingling around the state and, and then trying to find find people that I could connect with. And it, no, no, sometimes it's just not the right fit for, for some groups. That That's certainly okay. But with one that was really uh, that was really something that it, it changed it changed me and it changed I think a lot of a lot of other people because I'm just I'm just putting it out there um, I I truly believe that Bonn is a hotspot a queer hotspot um, for you know future future adventures when it comes to queer history. We have, um, I have a peer that, you know, writes a book with another ace, um, Arrow Ace person. She's also coming from Bonn uh, or, you know, she's, she was also active in Bonn and other, you know, people that, you know, really change a little bit um, the, the, the queer community in Germany, I feel. Right. <laughs> Truly believe that. And um, this sounds like very much of a reach, but. I have a feeling 
that the reason Bonn is such a queer hub is because it used to be the capital of Western Germany when the wall was still there, because mm. that's what people do. They flee to the capital. Oh, that is, oh my gosh. Yeah, that, that makes absolute sense. I mean, I'm not a Bonn local, so I cannot, you know, I cannot confirm this on a, on a, on a historical level, but I, this certainly makes sense, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what, what alternatives are there? Like, it's, I feel like it's not going to be in the South. Like it's, it's mm. not gonna, it's, it's, there's without a doubt, there is a queer community in Munich. Those, those it will remain to major cities like that. And, you know, as far as my, my, my German, my, my knowledge of Germany reaches, the other contestant for being a West German queer capital is going to be Hamburg. But I feel like I'm, um, I'm just, uh, kind of digressing here. Um, well, I would say that Cologne is extremely strong contender because of Cologne Pride, which is, I believe, the biggest um, Christopher Street Day demonstration that we have in Germany. Um, and there's certainly uh, things happening, you know, the scene is buzzing. But, you know, um, I, I don't see that much of anything happening besides lesbian and gay um, activism. And this is not meant in a derogatory term, but more of a, um, you know, more of a establishment of, um, yeah. A lack of intersectionality. Yes, absolutely. I, I do believe, you know, they they are very um, fortunate there and, and, you know, there is not much of interest to develop and um to you know, really progress in that area. To be honest, that's just my my uh, personal opinion. There, you sound very hesitant to talk about this. How how come? Mm. Listen, listen. Uh, there is a whole thing going on with um, the people um, involved in Cologne Pride, and um, a lot of you know more of a us radical queer people. We are very very unhappy with. Um, the whole queer establishment, the whole um, scene happening there, because they are very capitalist. They are even open to, in my opinion, nationalistic um, point of view, conservatism. And um, yeah, this is somewhat, you know, somewhat nothing that yet people really like to talk about. Um, it's more something that, you know, keep, keep, keep on the blankets, because how dare you? criticize such a great thing as Cologne Pride, you know, and all the things that are happening. But I feel like really it's a bunch of white, yellow, um, cisgender, um, endosex um, queer people that, you know, want to live a comfortable life there, you know. Right, yeah, very middle class. Um, oh. The, the I, I totally understand you because... If if I'm going to compare to if comp compare th things to my own experiences, like Amsterdam Pride is the most capitalist, gentrified pride in the world. I feel like it's so ridiculous. Google and and energy companies having their own boats. It's I I don't like Pride events. I don't. But from there use it and, and how, how do you take that frustration and use it as a fuel to your activist endeavors um well i actually try to change 
right. I mean, um, I I founded ASIS NRW out of the frustration that after years of going to Cologne Pride and after all the glitter is gone, um, I felt alone um, and I felt I felt frustrated that you know there's a lack of um, people represented there and you know there is certainly a certain criticism that I. I found a group, a, a marching group, and 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 then attend Cologne Pride. This is certainly fair, fair, fair game. Um, there, but I try to utilize, you know, their big audience, their their money, to actually make political statements. So, what does that mean? That means that we are, as a group, having a certain political agenda. We are actually demonstrating for visibility, for you know, not so much rights because on paper we are all equal um so yeah we are demonstrating we are making making statements we are printing out or, or drawing um demonstration signs so people are reading people are getting you know should be engaged it's not about just for us it's not about party it's not about it, it certainly is somewhat about celebrating ourselves but also showing ourselves to the world as a whole group we're not just, you know, we're not just a few, uh, few people lost in the crowd. We are there to make a statement. We are using their capitalist, um, yeah, endeavors to um, say, hey, we are here, um, and we we do not like how these things are. We're making really statements that are maybe really uh, harsh when everyone wants just to party and, and forget the troubles which i understand certainly i understand the the wish to be free and just you know not think about it and not you know yeah um, drown your frustration in <sighs> alcohol and glitter and you know having yeah, a basic party forget about all of the political things but that's not how this works right it's if there is a party celebrating sexuality and and gender diversity it should actually be diverse and exclusive yes Absolutely. Um, and this is simply not happening. There's a lot of specific queer music um, things happening on pride, racism, yeah. happening on pride, ableism, classism. And, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes, you know, especially when, when I um, take the public transport home after, after demonstrating there um, and you really feel that, you know, Sometimes I feel like it's 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 for more for non queer people, especially non queer women, that just you know want to cash in on 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 what is called pride, you know, and, and I just I absolutely hate that, you know, <laughs> I absolutely hate that. Amen. Um, I think we should take this frustration and exhaust a little bit of it through some heavy heavy tunes. Uh, song three for today Black Flame by Bury Tomorrow
Flame by Barry Tomorrow of the album with the same title, released 2018. A, quite a recent track. Um, so what made this band such a, a live experience? What what made this, what made the show so great? Oh, uh, Barry Tomorrow is just a pure aesthetic, a pure, pure ecstasy. They are, oh my gosh, they are so much better than, than they sound on record life um you know it's just you know you can dance to that you can mosh to that they they bring an energy you know although they are quite quite the um uh, quite the established band in the metalcore scene um they um still are so hungry yeah i um actually never listened to them um i mean that's just me if we're gonna take my chemical romance as a starting point I reckon a lot of people move towards metal, such as yourself, but I moved more towards the old school punk type of stuff. Um, so I never, so that they, they, they kind of stayed under my radar. But take us, take us to that specific night. When did you see them? Where did you see them? Um, <laughs> well, it was my first big festival that I went alone. It was Rock am Ring. Um, I listen to Bury Tomorrow, um, but I've never, you know, I've never uh, saw them live. And I thought, you know, they're a nice band. And they were opening um, on the best day of the whole festival for me because Parkway Drive and Avenged Sanford and Bullet for My Valentine were playing that day on that stage. So they were the opening, um, the opening act for that stage. And um, that is just. Um, They came out and they blew me just away. They just simply blew me away. Um, I certainly would prefer, you know, their their small venue shows for the whole sweaty and 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 more, you know, hardcore approach. But that was, you know, that was just um, magical because that the first festival of mine, and and I'm also socially anxious. Going there alone um, was just, you know, really something for for my personal. Um, development and uh, to be honest <laughs> I gotta, gotta come clean here <laughs> when they came out like I uh for his hot sec I questioned my asexuality <laughs> <laughs> yeah really it was like um I saw you know one band member and was like oh romantic as romantic and aesthetic attraction are hitting so hot right now <laughs> that's I'm, what uh, music can do to you right <laughs> Exactly. That's the fun of it all, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you mentioned some other close contenders for this category, being both Parkway Drive and Avenged Sevenfold. Were they all were they all the same shows? Like did you see them at any other instances? Or was it just that one specific day that just got ranked so high in your concert experience? Um, well, um, yeah, they played there on that day, but no, actually, that those songs were actually not connected to Rock am Ring. It was more, you know, generally in, in, in other in, for other instances with other um, venues where I saw them and thought, you know, uh, Parkway Drive, just, you know, in a similar, similar category, just like Bury Tomorrow, because they are a metalcore band, or they used to be. Um, and Avenged Sanford um, with Goddamn um, for my alternative choice there. That was um, of a throwback to when I first saw them 
life and uh, that was uh, that was also a very magical moment for me to you know experience that when was that when did you see Avenged Sevenfold first oh 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 um oh that must be maybe a year well I, c I could just check right now <laughs> because I see the the concert uh, tickets right there yeah I'm, I'm kind of curious because I know that my that a friend of mine saw a Van Schaverfeld play in Bonn in 2013, and I just would find it hilarious if you were at that exact same show. Mm, let me check. <laughs> I gotta disappoint you, Hannah. Ah, uh, that's too bad. That was, that was uh, uh, in Dusseldorf um, in 2017, so actually, you know, not that long ago, right. um, because it really, you know, I wasn't a fan back in 2013 and then it took quite a long time for them to go touring again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm kind of surprised uh when because um the the way I I got to know you a little bit, the way we've been talking about music, it feels like you've been in this um in this scene since forever. And I keep forgetting, like you even mentioned it yourself, you were pretty late to the party, but it just sounds like um, you've been hanging around in this alternative scene since 2003, basically. Like, it's it, the way you talk about it, it feels like it's, you've really made it your home. Oh, absolutely. Music, I mean, live music is is my everything. I, and I mean that with every ounce of, of myself. Um, yeah, it's 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 quite re recent that I really went to live shows because um, um, I wasn't you know a mobile um, wasn't financially um, secure enough to even um, get to um, purchase concert tickets, and you know I still still just can go to you know a couple of shows a year. I mean not right now, but you know generally. And yeah, I feel like really live shows live shows mean the world to me it really fuels my will to live it's something that kept me up when i was at the lowest moment in my life that something that i could look forward to a show that just you know oh you, you don't you just need to um, endure a couple more months so you can see that one band that you always wanted to see and um that's that's where my my, my passion you know really really comes uh, through um yeah, so you might be onto something there. What what pulled you across the threshold? Um, if you were dealing with social anxiety, uh, there, what was the artist that made you face that and actually go out into into a packed venue? Well, it was Frank Iero. Um, All right. With, uh, yeah, with stomach aches. Um, when that came out, I was um, during university. Um, and yeah, that was one of yeah very very low moments in my life. And you know, as a social anxious and shy and introverted kid um, that I still am to this day, I you know I just thought I need to see that life. I need to I need to even though I'm I'm scared as hell. I'm I don't want to meet strangers. I, I just cannot miss up this opportunity. And yeah, so I started going to that show and it you know it was a bit of an epiphany to be honest I really I really felt that way I thought my gosh this is this is kind of like I see God right now wow 
honestly, it, it was, uh, it was, it was certainly something. <laughs> Power to you. And hey, just a quick shout out to you listening right now. Like if you ever feel anxious and if you are afraid to go to shows or into crowds, I mean, definitely don't go into crowds right now, but you know, in general, it's okay to be to be to be afraid of going out there like social anxiety is nothing to be um i talk about my social anxiety all the time that's why i've got a podcast and not something video related like that's it's such a it's it's way more common than than people tend to think so yeah i don't know i just hope everyone's doing okay let's actually get Onto the last track for today, Rina Sawayama, a track called XS. really been sleeping on this one um and those guitars like the really the 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 break in between like the main riff it really it really got me by surprise in a very good way like chef's kiss it's fantastic yeah you actually mentioned you've been sleeping on this and i quote you here a pansexual queen big time as well um and uh, once again, in your words, late to the party. How how does how does this keep happening? Ah, oh, jeez! If I only knew, right? Um, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know really. I mean, sometimes you're just looking um, looking in the wrong corners, I guess. Um, you know, especially 
um, the more you get engaged in the whole metalcore metal scene, you you know you tend to be as a little bit of uh, you know a slob there. You know you, you stick to stick to your guns there. <clears throat> mind, uh, don't mind me referencing uh. here. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I I I think I enter a stage where I get a little bit too comfortable with my own taste and not putting out you know putting out my hands on on, on new stuff. So you know, it's, it's such a shame because Rina Sawayama and is, I mean, it's mind blowing um, how 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 creative and, and like the whole song. Excuse me, how can you make this pop? R&B metal fusion monster of axis and also um, be super, super, uh, such a bop and and then criticism criticism of capitalism right in there. I mean, who who can do this thing? Yeah, it's just it ticks all the boxes that would make you like a song, kinda. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Before we sign off. There is something that we still wanted to highlight because, as you rightfully pointed out, last we uh, last year during Asexual Awareness Week, they the, the German the German dictionary changed a little thing now, didn't they? Won't you like to tell us about that? Yeah, it was. You know, we have this. Uh, you know, listeners may know. You know, from not uh, coming not from Germany. Uh, there, you know, Merriam-Webster is such a brand, um, and we have the Duden. <laughs> this is um, the the dictionary in German, and their online entry about asexuality was um, really pathologizing, and also really um, hateful towards agender people and intersex people. It mixed a whole bunch of bullshit in there, and I was not having that, um, and so I called them out during Asexual Awareness Week 2019 and said, hey, can you please change that? Because um, for the couple of reasons I'm listening here right now. Well, as far as I know, usually they really need some, you know, good old bureaucracy. We Germans love that shit. Um, they need their rigid rules, but somehow it picked up a bit of steam, like not too much. It didn't, you know, it didn't enter um, the new cycle of, of, of queer media here in Germany, but you know, due to social media, they said, "Well, okay, let's change that." It's still imperfect, I admit that, but at least it didn't it doesn't um, repeat the whole bullshit that they used to. So, yeah, it, a small success there. It's a step into the right direction. Above that, it's also evidence that calling people out and activism works. As, as small as changes may be, one step at a time. And yeah, with that, this has been Queer Sounds. Um, uh, thank you all for listening. I hope you had a good time. Um, if you like this podcast, you can financially support support it through patreon.com slash queer sounds. You can get stickers there. Um, you can get some behind-the-scenes content um, as soon as I've read specific targets. I'm gonna start posting album reviews if that's something you're interested in. Um, and um, yeah, what else is there? Oh, yeah, right. Um, follow us on the, the socials. Uh, that's Queer Sounds Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, if you want to get in touch directly, 
queersounds.com slash contact. And I'd like to wish you all a very happy Asexual Awareness Week. <laughs>